Welcome to Seat Time, everybody, the online show for the off-road enthusiast. I am Brian Pierce, your purveyor of awesome. I just have to say, the response to the Tommy Norton podcast has been huge, so thank you for tuning in and checking out Seat Time. Just to catch you guys up, I've been posting a few videos to our YouTube channel dealing with the 2018 Sherco 300 SE-R. Man, it's been fun doing all the commentary, and it turns out that you guys are enjoying it. So this weekend, I'm going to go race a Blackjack Enduro here in Texas, and I'm going to try to bring more fun commentary videos for you guys of myself racing, hitting trees, and getting past. Uh, I've definitely started talking with our designer friend about a new sheet, seat time shirt design. Be on the lookout for that at the beginning of the year. I want you guys to look damn good going into 2018. Huge shout out to Mark Cook for becoming a patron on Patreon. I just want to let you guys know that we really appreciate it every time we do get a new patron. And if you would like to support seat time, you can consider become a patron on Patreon at patreon.com slash seat time. Buying one of our t-shirts, which are the seat time t-shirts at fpmg.threadless.com or using one of the affiliate links on seattime.co slash support, specifically the Amazon banner. As well, if you know someone who would like to sponsor Seat Time Podcast for 2018, please have them reach out. And now that the house cleaning is out of the way, if you Google the words Seat Time Gary Sutherland, you'll see we have chatted with him numerous times back when we were still doing the web show. He's an awesome guy to chat with, and I know that you're going to enjoy the content that is coming up. As I said, we are now here with Mr. Gary Sutherland. As we do, we have to ask, how is your evening going, kind sir? It's going great. How about yourself? Man, it's doing pretty good. I uh, have PJ pants on. I've got a nice little shirt. I've got a heater here blowing, blowing up my skirt, if you will, just trying to enjoy a little bit of this cooler weather here in Texas. Well, that might you might have taken that a little far with you know what you're wearing and all this. I didn't. I thought this was a podcast about dirt bikes, not one of those other kind. Well, I feel like everybody has to be <laughs> themselves, and I like to okay. make sure everyone knows that I'm in my comfort. Of, I feel like when I'm in my good space, I'm going to create better content for all the, all the off road enthusiasts <clears throat> out there. All right, I'm used. To, I'm used to this comfort space and all this. You know, I, I hang out with Chris Kiefer, so I, I get it. I understand. I get your, uh, yeah, I got it. Now, it's not as awkward as his love for sandwiches, I'm not going to lie, but at the same time, <laughs> we do like to, we do like to get comfortable, comfortable. Well, um, so you're back home, you're doing a bunch of cool stuff, but I mean, how are just you and the little lady doing, man? Man, doing great. Uh, honestly, couldn't, couldn't ask for, you know, better time in life. I mean, we're, we're doing great. Emery's great. Um, you know, just won two championships. Just trying to soak it in a little. Unfortunately, as you know, with off-road racing on the West Coast, we race almost all year. We don't really get much of a uh, off-season. So, honestly, just trying to get a little bit of – not really getting much downtime. I'm going to take a little bit, probably a week off, and you know, just get back on the program for 18. Get ready for that. Uh, so, are you, are you done racing for the year, or do you have another event coming up? How, what's the schedule looking like right now at where you're at, even though you've got the championships wrapped up? You know, I have uh, one last hair and hound this weekend, and then I kind of got, uh, got talked into doing an Ontario Endurocross. My girlfriend wanted me to do it, Destry. Everybody's like, come on, do it. And the only way I was going to do it was if Lots I of money. the championship. Lots of well, money. Well, no, that's the thing. <laughs> only if I wrapped the championship up early because I wanted to actually get a you know a couple weeks of riding in. And literally, I'm like, 
last hare and hound I'm riding, you know, going through a sand wash, pinning, and I'm like, oh, shit, like, I'm going to have to race Ontario Endurocross now because I was leading, and I'm like, oh, man. <laughs> I'm like, should I just lose so I don't have to race Endurocross and just try and wrap it up in Barstow? But You're like, I no, talked myself good, into so. this, dang it. <laughs> yeah, it's like, oops, my bad. But, no, so I'm going to race Ontario, and then uh, uh, just going to take a little time, take a, probably a week off through Thanksgiving and just enjoy – Enjoy some away time from a dirt bike and working on dirt bikes and all that stuff. And then, uh, yeah, once we get back, hit it hard and start pushing for uh, a good, successful 18. Shoot, yeah, work off some of the Thanksgiving food that we're all going to consume in, in mass quantities. Oh, I know. Looking forward to it already. The, <laughs> I don't have the most girlish figure, so I have Stop. to be careful with what I eat. So, ah. Well, um. One of the things that's been great, for those of you who don't know, uh, Gary has been on the uh, web show back when we used to still do the live web show quite a few times, and Emery always stole the show. She's such an awesome person to be around, and I just wanted to say, man, those pictures of you guys on the podium were ridiculous. They're so stinking cute, man. So not only yeah. congratulations on those championships, right, but then you get those kind of pictures, right, to 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 remember those awesome achievements with those are gonna i think those are gonna be so much better than the you know just the traditional ones where everybody's holding up a number one finger and you've got the team like the ones of you and him yeah. are priceless man yeah and i think you know that's and that's the cool thing i mean honestly at the end of the day i'm i'm super lucky and super appreciative to be able to do what i love race dirt bikes win championships i'm at a level you know where i'm, I'm able to win right now and it's it's cool to you know, it's cool to be able to experience that and show that to my daughter and, and go do things with her. And it's funny because, honestly, if you ask anybody, she's almost my worst, like, my hardest critic. Like, I come in and she's like, what place you get? And I'll be like, oh, I got third. She's like, but, Daddy, you're not in the middle. Like, sometimes if I don't get in the middle, you know, I don't get first, she won't even get on the podium now. You know, before it was just like, oh, cool, I got a trophy. Now she's like, no, how do you get in get in the middle? You didn't win. So I'm like, geez, it's a, it's a tough ship around here, you know? That's awesome. Yeah, that is a tough yeah. critic, man. And uh, how old is she now? Six. So and in first six. grade, yeah, I think the first time we did a show together, man, I bet you she, she had to be three or four when we first did our first show together. So, um, yeah, she is – Six in first grade and just awesome. A little attitude, stubborn. Thinks she knows the best. I mean, she's six going on 16 at the moment. Right. Well, don't worry. I've got a five-year-old dude who is like getting in trouble. We've had to have teacher conferences and stuff like that for his <laughs> pre-K classes. And then we've got an 11-year-old who definitely thinks she's going on 21. So it's at the, it's then, then there's the luckily the three-year-old who is uh, just cute and still three. Just cute and poop, pooping, pooping his pants and just enjoying life. Yeah, as I do sometimes, you know? We, we make yes. it work. I mean, we that's... Make it work. Yep, it happens. <laughs> so, before we totally dive into what's going to be, you know, probably the meat and potatoes of this discussion, obviously the fact of, like, this year you've done something that only one other person has done before, uh, winning works and national uh, hare and hound championships, I wanted to talk a little bit more about... Maybe some of your history. I think even when what we've talked about in the past, we may not have covered some of the stuff that maybe that got you on a dirt bike in the first place. So what was that? What was that something that your family did it? Was it something that you wanted to get in there and you just said, Hey guys, can I have a dirt bike? Like how did that work out for you to just get on a dirt bike? Yeah, you know, I was a late bloomer, honestly. And uh it was funny. I grew up in a small town in Montana. Uh my dad uh, runs a has an excavating business and um we just happened to be at one of his buddies' farms. I think we were doing some work, and of course, I'm you know, 
I think I was like eight or nine at the time, running around. I had a shovel in my hand. My dad's making me dig, you know, dig holes and throw rocks out, whatever. And I, I see this little KDX eighty, and I saw it in the, in this barn, and I sat on it, and I was like, oh man, dad, I want a dirt bike. Well, at the time, we lived in, uh, in town, like we lived in a city. We actually lived in a trailer, like just a single wide trailer park, right. basically. And uh, yeah, I ended up, my dad ended up getting me a dirt bike for Christmas, and. It was uh, it was pretty funny. I, I told this story the other day. Uh, I uh, I didn't know how to ride a dirt bike, of course. I rode bicycles my whole life, but didn't know how to ride dirt bikes. And uh, I we'd got four feet of snow on Christmas. I'm sitting there. I'm revving the bike out back. And my mom's yelling at me, "Stop revving the bike in town! You're gonna get in trouble." Well, so I think I can be sneaky. I push it out to the alley and I start starting it. And I didn't know there was a clutch, so I'm like jamming it into gear. The bike's stalling. Finally, I get the thing. Bah, 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 you know, hit the hit the shifter, bike takes off, you know. I'm going down the alley like, oh, shit, you know, I'm in snow. I mean, there's snow. There's four feet of snow, and they just plowed it. I'm like, and all of a sudden, I'm like, oh, crap, like, you know, drum brakes. They're frozen. The thing's not working. I just jump off the back of the bike. The bike's just sort of flying into the, the thing. So, And I didn't know that I could shift either, so I just kept the thing in first gear. So I'm like, first gear just pinned, just on the rev limiter, so – I did that for about, I don't know, 30 minutes before my mom must have seen or heard me out there. I was going back and forth down the alley just ghost riding the bike into snow piles because that's how I – and I didn't know there was a clutch. My dad comes home, you're an idiot, you know. There's a clutch. You got to use a clutch. So, oh, all right. So, uh, yeah, and my dad – you know, my dad rode dirt bikes a little bit on the farm when he was on a farm. But honestly, you know, nobody in my, in my family ever rode dirt bikes, never raced dirt bikes. Um, and I got into it first – really racing flat track and then uh got a my dad finally bought a newer bike and i was able to uh try just a local little fair race and uh i was like oh man jumps you know this is this is awesome and uh so then i started racing motocross so i actually came from more of a motocross background and that you know progress and progress so yeah that's awesome uh as a, as we've been doing a little bit more of these this year with the audio stuff it's been neat to hear a lot of the how you got into it stories because it really does kind of cover the gamut like i was one of the people that my dad did it and he got me a bike at five just because he wanted me to ride with him but i love hearing the stories where it's kind of like you know what dad or mom or parents or whoever i want to get a dirt bike or there's been people we've talked to that have literally like i worked a paper route until my brother and I could buy one and we bar- we shared it. You know what I mean? Like it's kind of yeah. neat like when there's a passion for it and a desire for it like that before you've even thrown a leg over it. You just see it and know like there's something special about it, you know? Yeah, because it was funny. I, like when I was a kid, my favorite movie of all time was uh, is uh, Days of Thunder with, you know, Cold Trickle. And so yeah. I love stock cars. You know, I was like, oh, I want to race. And that's how I got – I think that's how it kind of happened. Uh, you know, my dad would always go down to uh, – the stock car race in salmon idaho and watch stock cars and i always like oh i want to race i want to race but of course you know we can't afford any sort of little stock yeah, that, car that's and extremely that expensive yeah and then i saw you know we saw the dirt bikes at the intermission it was these little kids racing flat track and i was like oh i want to do that and then when i saw that dirt bike i think it just all clicked and i was like oh that's cool and then that's how i actually got started i was down i was racing this little bike at this little crappy flat track you know there's probably 50 people watching the stock car race you know so <laughs> but that's where it all began that's crazy so you're like on a kx type 80 uh like trying to do flat track essentially oh yeah i was racing i went down there at kdx 80 and then i think the thing only has like three years and i'm like pinned wide open going around the hall i wasn't even letting off because the bike was so slow i mean i just pinned 
And my dad was like, oh, we got to get you a different bike. So he bought some piece of crap, 1989 YZ80, you know, piece of crap. But I went down the next time and I beat the kid that won. So I ended up winning. And then, uh, you know, I started racing a little more and everything was good. And then finally that bike was a piece of junk and my dad finally had enough. And he actually bought me in 1999. I got a brand new 1999 YZ80. That was when it was still an 80. And uh, I remember getting that on Christmas. And so that was huge. And it's funny because I told, I, I don't know, not many, many people know this, but my parents bought, they like, financed that bike. And then I got another bike in 2001. We waited a year. I got another new bike, and they financed that one. And then 2002, I financed that one. Then they financed another one. So about 2004, I was just about ready to turn pro. I just won intermediate titles. I was 15 at the time, working at the bike shop, getting ready to buy a 2005 uh, – or no, four RMZ250F. My parents are like, hey, you know, you got to start buying your own bikes. We can't afford this. Well, over all those years, they kept trading the bike in, right? Well, they kept losing money on it, right? Yeah, yeah absolutely. So there's all this money sitting there on this loan. And so when I went to buy my bike, my parents were like, well, you have to pay for all that. So I'm 15 years old and I bought an RMZ 250, you know, full pop or whatever it was in Montana at the time. And then they ended up, it was like probably 2500 or three grand. I had to add on to the bike of all the other bikes I ever had <laughs> that my parents never paid. They're like, hey. You want to race, this is what you got to do. And so I literally was working at the bike shop, working for my dad on the side. like, And that's how I you know, paid, paid for my bike and was able to go racing and do the stuff I was able to do. That's crazy. So you literally have been a working class hero since the age of 12. <laughs> yeah, well, it was funny you say that. At 12, my dad had me in uh, – I was in basketball at the time. And I know I'm, I, was, I was basically like the next LeBron James. People saw the talent. <laughs> but i was in montana they were so like look at this super stocky just, guy like, trying to play basketball this. man he's like yeah i was like steve nash just bigger and slower and i couldn't shoot the ball sounds effective. so very effective yes <laughs> so it was funny because i was i remember being in middle school my dad's my dad's like oh you gotta make money or whatever and his his one of his buddies owned a meat packing place during hunting season in montana my dad i was 12 i go to school they go to basketball practice till six and then from six to eight thirty or nine however long it took me i would go over to our or it was a it was like i don't know 20 acres away so it's i don't know how far that is um it was across the big road and and i would go over there and clean up all the blood and oh. scrub all the band saws and scrub everything down and he was paying me i think eight bucks an hour to do it so nice. you know i'd make 16 bucks a night or whatever so or whatever it was i don't even know what it was maybe it was five bucks i don't know but uh I remember having to do that for all through hunting season to make some extra money. And it was, you know, I look back at it now, it's crazy. I'm like, I was like, tw you know, 11, 10, yeah. 12, something like uh, that. He's, like, it's cool. We're paying him in cash. That's legal, right? Yeah, maybe we shouldn't talk too loud about that. The IRS might try and hunt No, nah, I think it was your, we'll just, uh, your, you were, uh, he was, uh, no, it's fine. It's okay. I probably didn't make $600 anyway. So. Yeah, I don't think it was the end of the world. I don't world. think they can 1099 me on that. <laughs> Yeah. Well, sir, we need to audit you from uh, yeah, when you were 12 years old. 12. <laughs> Jesus. Yeah. Here's uh, here's the pay stub our... for $15. Yeah, that would about be my luck, though. <laughs> yeah, that's true. You do have some interesting luck, which is one of the things I know we're going to talk about, too, as we get into this. So you've done these races. You go turn pro, all that kinds of stuff. Where... Well, it's been interesting too to learn where that off-road transition happens for people, but I think somewhere in there as well. Weren't you a mechanic for someone? 
Yeah, you know, I wrenched for, uh, you know, after I got hurt, I was turned pro, raced a couple outdoor nationals, and then uh, I needed, you know, kind of, you know, I'm in Montana. Nobody's looking. Right. You know, nobody's looking in Montana. I haven't turned any heads. So I went to MMI in, in Arizona, was lucky enough to get just so happen. You know, it's just, it's funny how, like, you don't realize, like, at the time, just being personable and being able to, you know, just meet people and just networking. It doesn't matter necessarily what you're doing for a job. It's like networking with people and, you know, how those people connect you to people. And I was at the track one night riding and met a guy and he's like, oh, this guy Johnny works on my bikes. He's Destry Abbott's mechanic. So then I go and I end up meeting Johnny. Well, Johnny just literally comes up and he's like, oh, hey, man. Uh, you know, here's my number. Call me. He's like, I, you know, I can let you know when you want to start working. And I was like, <laughs> I didn't know that's what it was. I was like, oh, okay, cool. Like, I was like, sweet. So I was going to MMI Monday through Friday from 7.30 to 12.30. And I was working at the motorcycle track from 1.30 to 10.30 or to 10 to 11 that night because I was running dozer and all that stuff. And I do that uh, Wednesday through Sunday. And then on my two days off, Monday, Tuesday from the track, I would work for Johnny out of school so i was working seven days a week basically a but i was i was working at a track so i was able to bring my bike yep so it worked out good i was like okay well cool like if i want to ride but it just got boring because i could only ride one track all the time you yeah, know that's true but uh so then that's where that transition came in i ended up meeting uh you know i was working for johnny met ricky dietrich and dietrich was looking for a mechanic at the time and you know i rode and i was going you know i was going fast so he's like oh perfect so you know me and ricky became you know good buddies and i rode with him and that's when i started riding a little off road and i tried a couple races and i was started doing some local stuff to make a little extra you know i tried one and i ended up winning and i made some money and i was like oh this is cool you know <laughs> money's nice <laughs> i like money and i got to ride my dirt bike for it so yes i'll go do another one so win win yeah that just it kind of happened and then you know me and ricky separated ways and i decided you know what I'm going to go for it. So I went and got a real construction job working uh, glazing and glass and just went to work and bought bikes, financed bikes. And that's where, you know, PJ from uh, Valcom Motorsports came in and Andrew Campo and uh, those guys really kind of stepped up in 2008 and, you know, helped me get to get, you know, I got to know Dale from Fly and uh, I was, you know, they just helped me network and they were great guys and like, PJ was the first guy to ever like give me a deal on a bike and like really want to, you know, was really pushing and helping me and trying to make me better. So yeah, I was working a full-time job doing glass and glazing for about four and a half years. And that's when I started racing works was in 2008. And I just kept plugging away, just kept racing and racing and borrow. I, I, I'm taking used clutches from Johnny cause Johnny worked for Cowie. So I'd go over to the Cali semi and the clutches that they take out before the race, you know, back then they were still good. So he'd give me their takeout clutches and I'd put them in my race bike to race with or even <laughs> tires that they, even their tires, they, they'd ride two days on tires. I just grab their spare tires, flip them around and use them for the race because I didn't have the budget. I didn't have the money. So I just, you know, used what I could and, you know, and Chappie on the semi was always cool. He did, a, I don't I don't know. Well, it's pretty funny. Chappie's one of those guys. I'd always go, "Hey, man!" He's like, "God, Gary, what do you need now?" You know, <laughs> like, yeah. like, ah, because I was, dude, I was hard on bikes. I'm breaking stuff left and right. Chappie'd go in. I need a brake lever or something. He'd grab a brake lever out of the drawer and he'd just look out the semi and huck the thing out into the pits. Just huck it, and he's like, 
I think scratched. You're gonna have to just go grab it. I can't have it in here. <laughs> so <laughs> you do cool stuff like you know, not on everything, of course, but you yeah, know, you don't want to you don't want to throw like suspension out the door. That no, would be horrible. No, I never got that. But you know, Chappie was always cool, and Jason Smigel, all those guys, always you know, even you know, they always had my back and helped me out, and it always just. It always just kind of worked out, you know. I just kept pushing along and pushing along, and I mean, I couldn't be more thankful for all the opportunities through all those times, you know. Dude, yeah, that's that's tough. And then so as you're doing works and stuff like that, I believe it was was it 2014 that you got your first works championship? Yeah, so 2009 I rode for Ty. That was a disaster year. 2010 I basically started over, rode for Valcom Motorsports. That's when me and PJ really, you know, everything was working great with PJ. And then in 11 I rode for Precision Concepts. And then 12, I did my own deal with Cowie, and I had Ty Davis helping me. And then after 12, everything that went on at 12 with, you know, me and my daughter and PJ passing and everything, I, like, my results weren't there. I missed a couple races. I didn't, well, maybe I only missed one. Um, And I just, things were in disarray. And so 2013 came around, and I didn't have a bike, didn't have a ride. But luckily, um, a guy that had been sponsoring me for the last, you know, year and a half, stuck with me and gave me kept giving me the opportunity and and honestly without him I never would be where I'm at now like never even would have remotely been close to this and so I was able to buy a, I financed a 2011 YZ450 and raced it in 2013 and won the West Coast Terra Scramble Championship did uh X Games Brazil Spain Germany all those and then um still kind of didn't have nothing in 2014 I was able to you know through the help of Chris Dennison and Kiefer yeah. uh they they let me borrow a KTM 450, and we went out on the media side of KTM with Tom Moen and um, Dave O'Connor, and we, we won a works championship. So it was just it was super it was super cool, and that that championship means a lot to me because it just for everything that I went through in those that like the year and a half before that was just so brutal, and then to be able to you know keep my head straight and you know raise my daughter and do everything and juggle it it was it was just super rewarding and. And I had a good time doing it, so it was fun. Ah, that's awesome. But then it's like, as we kind of like come past that is when a lot of injuries happened, right? Like some of that bad luck kind of came back to bite you <clears> in the butt? Yeah, you know, I don't, I, I'd worked glass and glazing for like four years, and I, I'm pretty sure I broke some mirrors. So I don't know if that's what I'm like, I'm getting a little bit of that, you know, bad luck. <laughs> this you break mirrors like eight right. years of bad luck. I think I'm pretty much, I should be caught up on my bad luck and breaking mirrors by now, but. Yeah, so 2000, well, actually 2014 when I won my championship, uh, I had a bike problem, lost a bunch of points, went up to Washington, won the race, was getting ready to go, uh, I drove straight from Washington to Arizona, straight through, me and my buddy overnighted it, I went there for ISDE camp because I was going on a club team and I snapped my collarbone, and so I got it plated and within, it was like a week and a half, I raced the next works race and got third, and it was enough to keep, you know, it was like I got enough points and kept me up front and then Ugh. uh so 14 so 14 i got you know i broke my collarbone then 15 i won the first uh heron hound and then second heron hound i broke my wrist so i sat out two rounds and then i i think that year i had 16 races and 16 podiums so it was a great year i just i broke my arm so i was out of the championship and then yeah. you know i made a big life change in 16 and me and my daughter moved to arizona to, uh back with destry and you know, trying to get my program more structured, and uh, unfortunately, I got in an accident head-on with uh, a guy, Joe Watson, who races here in Hounds, and um, 
yeah, I ended up losing my spleen in 16, so that was a disaster year. And that was that was actually a pretty horrific crash and kind of scary, right? Like in the hospital, like timing and removal yeah, of the spleen like, and stuff? Well, like I got in the accident, and then I didn't even know. Like I don't remember. I remember turning the bike around, and then I, I remember waking up. Got knocked out cold, and I remember – I don't remember a whole lot. I remember going to the hospital, throwing up, and then they're like, oh, you lost your spleen. We went to the trauma center. So spend Christmas. We come home for Christmas. The next day, my parents luckily had showed up the day that I got hurt. I uh, just so happened they were coming down for Christmas, and then uh, I come home. And this is how my you know my parents are awesome, but this is just funny. You'll like this. My dad, I'm laying in bed the next morning, and I'm like, oh man, like I'm hurting. Like my <laughs> stomach is hurting, and I'm like, and it's big, and I'm like, oh. And my dad's like, oh son, you just gotta take a shit. You know, you're just backed up. All those pain meds. <laughs> I'm like, oh, you know. So my dad goes to the my dad goes to Walgreens, gets me some uh, magnesium citrate, this crazy laxative. Right. I drink like half the bottle, and then laying in bed, and I'm like, man, all of a sudden I'm seeing white. I'm lightheaded. My stomach's getting bigger. I go, we gotta go back to the hospital. Something's not right. This right. is not right. We go back. Sure enough, my spleen had ruptured. I was bleeding out, and my dad's handing me laxatives because <laughs> you know he's a doctor. <laughs> So like, I hate that? to laugh at that, but you're right. That's like no. That's like, so, but there's the best part. I'm like, Dad, something's not right. You know, it's my spleen. It's my internal organs. My dad's doing 55 on the freeway because you know he's from Montana. I mean, why the hell would you go faster than 55 on the right. freeway? And I'm like, I'm trying not to lose my mind. You know, like, uh, so we get back there. They're like, use the hazards and please speed. Yeah, yeah. And so we get there. The doctor's like, Oh man, you're bleeding out. We got to get you. like either we need to remove your spleen right now or we need to try and fix it. And he's asking me this, and I'm like, Well, I'm not the doctor. So uh, the guy's like, Well, we've had really good luck with saving it, and you know it'll be good. And I'm like, Okay, fine, save it. You know. So they save it. They go in through my groin, do this, plug it all up, whatever. Two and a half months later, they won't release me to go back to racing because what I do for work is too. Uh, dangerous. So, okay, fine. F you guys. I'm going to go ride. So I go. I start riding. I tell Auntie at KTM what's going on. He, I had to sign a bunch of paperwork saying, you know, basically if I passed away, you know, nobody could come after them, all that. And so I went back to racing. I said, I'm, I'm good. And I went out, won the – I got – what did I get? I got fifth at Havis. It was the worst race to come back to. I come back to Havis. So I got a fifth, which I was still happy with. And then uh, won the Heron Hound. And then uh, like a week later, I'm driving down the freeway and boom, I feel I felt like a shotgun went off in my stomach. Just instant, just, oh my gosh, driving to get my daughter. And I'm like, no way. I think my spleen just ruptured. So I pin Again. it, grab, so I pin it, grab my daughter, barely can walk, get my daughter in the car. I'm trying to drive all the way to the trauma center because the trauma center is like away, 45 minutes away. Well, I get on the freeway and I look in the mirror and I am ghost white. My breathing's hit, and I'm like, I got to get to the hospital. So I just pull off, go to the hospital, and nine days later, they in ICU, I got my spleen removed. Wow. So then it was just, you know, then it was the fight to come back. And so, yeah, it's been, it was a rough, last year was rough. And, uh, but, you know, I moved back to California, and, uh, you know, I was lucky enough to have Ron Purvines on my side and give me an opportunity to go racing this year. And we made, we definitely made the best of it. Yeah, you did. So now we can. Uh, now that we've gotten all that behind us, oh my god, I don't know. I feel like I'm, I'm a like, big talker. I'm a no, big talker. I'm o- I'm okay going. with that. I'm, I've got the gift of gab, and you're doing a fantastic job of it. You're keeping me very intrigued, so I'm enjoying the crap out of it. But it's like, first off, we have to say, 
you wear X brands, and if you don't wear X brands, you won't win, right? I mean, so at least now they can say that that's like actually a true statement. Yeah, I'm with. I'm. I wear them. I know. The so. championship proven goggles. <laughs> I had to go there. I had to go All there. Right. Um, so as we break this kind of stuff down, uh, like how? And granted, I could give a layman's terms, you know, of how these series differ, right? You know, obviously yeah. they're so they're so different. But it's for people that maybe don't understand how different the works in the National Hare and Hound series are. You know, in your eyes as a professional racer, you know, talk us through some of the big differences. Not just maybe like, oh, well, this is how the races are worked, but how you as well prepare and think about these series and the different type of racing you're about to tackle when you're on the line. You know, works works racing is is it's is all intensity. Works racing is all about intensity. Everybody now is just you know from the get go when that when the gate drops, it's you're wide open. You're pushing the entire two hour race. It's there's no let you know as Destry Abbott would love to say. Oh, Destry's always, I always give him crap about this. He's always like, oh man, just be smart. Let the race come to you. And and, and we always joke about it. But honestly, like works is very it's very high paced. Everybody's pinning it and um. It's intense and it's fun. I like that moto moto we feel, you know, it's where it's just, you know, slamming berms and trying to be smooth and hit your lines. And then, you know, then you have Heron Hound on the opposite end of the spectrum, which is like literally butthole pucker for three hours straight where you're wide open across the desert, like looking at something you've never seen and hoping there's not a rock behind that bush or there's a ditch or you're hoping they mark this, you know, danger coming up and that you can't see. And then, you know, and then luckily they have, you know, second and third loops uh, are pretty technical and fun, but overall preparing, it's pretty, uh, I ride a lot of moto and a lot of rough tracks to, you know, prepare me for works, which, you know, it transfers over to hare and hound in a way because of the intensity, but I like to go out, get my mind, like my eyes straight for Heron Hounds and stuff, those fast races, because there's just such high speeds. And then on top of that, you can't race a Heron Hound like a moto because you will end up on your head by far. Like there's dust, there's there's so many, you have to be somewhat finesse, you know, but you also have to be strong because next thing you know, you might be dropping into a three foot whoop that you know, they forgot to mark and you're like, oh gosh, and you're just holding on and slamming it, you know? So right, totally two different styles of racing. And, uh, and, and, but I love the technical aspect of Heron Hounds. I'm not a fan of the fast stuff just because of the danger. And, and you were, you, know, you mentioned something interesting. You said second and third loop are typically a little bit more technical. Is that, is that traditional? Like, is that something that you as a Heron Hound racer come to expect or is that just yeah. like the way it's see? Oh, okay. That, that, and that's, that's intent. Well, that's uh, just, yeah, that's intent. They always because like the sea riders will normally just do the first loop, okay, and then this. So you know they have to make it to where everybody can race that loop, and then the second and third loop, second loop. Sometimes we only have two loopers, so two loops. You know, it's always seems to be. It's always more technical for sure. Um, some places, depending on where we are, is more technical than others. And uh, like the last round was really good. Our third loop was the first. Uh, I don't know three, probably two three miles was a lot of virgin rocky nasty this mountain and like anybody like i anybody that's never raced desert in lucerne needs to just go to lucerne and ride one day it is like riding on the moon compared to anywhere else i've ever been wow it's just it's just a different it's weird it's just different i don't and i can't even explain it to you it's just the rock it's just it's just crappy terrain in a way but it's like the rocky sections and like rocky trails are fun but the rest of it's just a different kind of it's it's just weird 
Yeah, and I love technical terrain, but it's got to be that weird part for you guys where you, with having that high speed stuff in the first loop, and then where it were to get a little bit more technical in the second and third, like how do you even think about setting your suspension up for that? Right, you're just kind of like, I mean, do you even attempt that, or do you just pick one or pick in the middle, or how do you guys plan that? You know what I what I like to do. The thing is, is like. You can't ever get a bike, and it's funny. Everybody will laugh like, oh, like I'm pretty picky on suspension. I always, I'm always trying to get it better. I'm always trying to make things better. I'm always wanting to make myself more comfortable. And um, I think in the in Heron Hounds, I like to set up my stuff. I, I like to set my stuff up more for like the rocks and trails and stuff. But honestly, lately, Ty's stuff that we've been working with, Ty Davis as mm-hmm. of Ty Racing, his stuff's been a little on the stiff side. And, you know, I've been able to ride it, and so we actually did, you know, it's we have one round. I've already wrapped up the championship, and, I mean, we're actually, I'm running a totally different setup this weekend because I wanted to try something new and, you know, and just progress. So it's really cool to have somebody like that in my corner and, you know, because it's a little rockier in Barstow this weekend. So we're setting, we set up a little softer setup that hopefully will be better. So, you know, it's just, it's all on comfort. Like, I know Ricky Brabeck, he's, he likes he goes really fast across all the fast stuff, the whoops, road crossings. He's a big dude, and I think his stuff's pretty set up pretty good for that because that's where he excels in. You know, you kind of have to find out where where your strong point is, and I feel like I'd rather set my bike up for that mm. and make it, make it work okay. Make it work okay in the other stuff, but excel in the stuff you're good at because you can make up more time. In, right, in yeah. You can ride 110% where you know you can and then you might be yeah. at 95 in the other just because or not, you know. That makes sense. Okay, that's interesting. No, it's, you know, for guys like myself who are weekend warriors and hit a race every now and again, obviously, you know, we, we just want to feel comfortable. We want to feel planted in that it, it we just feel comfortable with the speed we're riding, right? Where you guys, it's such a, it's such a different beast and it's always fun to hear the way that you guys talk about uh, settings and, and, and specifically suspension i always feel like is one where people just everybody's opinion is completely different in the way that they kind of tackle that that beast yeah and you know i'm i'm actually lucky you know i've got a lot of criticism you know working with different suspension people over the years just because i am pretty picky and there's a certain feel you know that i kind of you know it's like you kind of just like man you know i like stuff that's predictable like whether it's soft i just want to make sure that the bike does exactly what i know like oh wow it's really soft it works great in the rocks but it's going to blow through and or I'm hey I'm getting a spike feel here and what's cool about what Ty can do is Ty Davis still rips he still rides really good so when we do get to go test I'm like hey man this is you know it's not feeling good here and I feel he's all that's weird I put these shims in it should be fine he'll go ride the bike and he's like oh wow yeah that's not that doesn't no that's that's horrible <laughs> so he'll come in change something I'll go ride and I'm like man it's you know it didn't get as it didn't get that much better he's like really how is that and he'll go ride it and go oh wow that's good. Because if he wasn't able to ride it as a suspension guy, if I come in and tell you, oh, hey, this is what it's doing, and you change those shims to make it better by what I told you, you're going to think you solved the problem. And if I come in and say, no, it's not better, you're going to think I'm full of shit. Right. So I'm very actually fortunate to have him uh, doing my suspension. I think it's a huge, you know, huge help to have somebody that can ride the bike and ride the bike fast. So. Yeah, no, actually, that's pretty. That's and because what I've uh, had a lot of people tell me is to is to video, right? And I think that that 
is one of those ways where, to your point of if somebody's not going to be able to A, ride the bike, or B, at least be able to keep up and ride next to you to watch the bike, that video is probably the next best way. But man, yeah, being able to have somebody to like hear what you say and then take that feedback and then go ride the bike and then kind of try to see if that's what, you know, if they're feeling that, what you were talking about. Yeah, yeah you're right. Like that does seem like that's like the best dyno to have. Well, it's, it's good because you actually can progress, you know, like I've had, and, and I, you know, I'm not perfect at explaining suspension or explaining my setup. Like, so that's, what's hard is like, man, something just doesn't feel right. Or, you know, it's, it's hard to get different people in the suspension world have different lingo. So trying to explain what you're feeling using the right, you know, words and Kiefer is really good about that. And he's helped me a lot through doing stuff with, you know, him and stuff that, about using the right words when something's going on with the bike, you know, and not using, you know, the wrong word to think like, oh, they think it's, it has a dead feeling when it's actually, you know, too stiff or whatever it is, you know, it's like using the right lingo with, with the suspension guys is a huge, huge thing. So interesting. Well, um, so we've kind of talked a little bit about how these series are different. Now, obviously we know that the courses are a lot different as well. Like works always seems to kind of have a, a, you know, they, if they don't start on a moto track, there's something that feels very moto-y about it, right, to that yep. degree. And obviously, Heron Hound is about as natural as you can get um, yep. out there in the middle of nowhere. Um, how do your bikes set up different, right? Like, um, I, I, I would assume that you're – it's one of those things where you want to make the assumption that you're riding two different bikes, but then no. at the same time, like, you could – you might not be. <laughs> so it's like – Yeah. It's – you know, it's it's one of those things. I actually raced a lot of my suspension. Um, so I ended up riding FXs for the first part of the year. And then I liked the YZ tranny better for works. So I switched to a YZ for works halfway through the season and raced that the rest of the year. And uh, realistically, suspension-wise, I actually rode some pretty motoy style setups at quite a few Heron Hounds this year. And uh, you know, I don't know as if it was the right way. It was just me and Ty at that point hadn't had enough time to really test. And uh, we were riding a lot of sand for works. And so then it was like, oh, crap. You know, we got a hair and hound coming in. It was like, oh, uh, try this, you know. So really, really, my setups didn't vary too much. Um, I Interesting. Actually did, yeah, I actually did more more suspension changes towards the middle to end of the year. And because uh, we had a really good sand setup this year, and I was really pumped with it. And it was... But now that, you know, now that we've had time to test, like they're definitely way different. And so it's as far as suspension, the rest of the bike, basically the same. Like I ran all my bikes this year, bone stock. You could buy literally Ron Pervines went and bought 27 bikes, I think, from John Burr Cycles this year. And all we did was I threw, you know, FMF pipe on it. I threw um, IMS tank, Chirby's handguards concepts seat concepts and gpr stabilizer and ran it recluse clutches and that was it wow so we didn't do any motor work we didn't do anything crazy and that's probably great for reliability because those yamahas have always had great reliability as long as you don't tweak with them too much it's when you start tweaking with them that they can lose a little bit of it yeah no and it it is good i mean i definitely you know, I'm a bigger guy, and so it's like, man, I kind of would love to have a little more power here and there. But, you know, hats off to Yamaha for making a bulletproof bike that I can go race for two-plus hours and hammer it, and it still stays together from right off the showroom floor. Yeah. 
Well, uh, how did this team come together this year for you with uh, Purvines and Destry and and you know and, and obviously you said twenty seven bikes and they have other riders that are on the team. I think you know both De- uh, both Abbots are, are riding uh, Purvines. They're an enduro cross and everything. So w- when did all this come to kind of come together? You know, Ron's been trying to get me to ride for him for about I don't know three four years maybe, and uh, you know he always rode betas and. <clears throat> Things it's just kind of funny how things just kind of you know I get a different offer things were a little better and I was like, all right well thank you Ron and me and Ron stayed in contact over all those years and he was always respectful and considerate and like enjoyed seeing me have success and then uh, when I got hurt he reached out to me and was like hey you know I'm bummed to see you get hurt he's like you're a great competitor he's like um, you know what would it take for you to be on my team next year or you know I want to hire you and I was straight up with him and I was like honestly I was like I don't want to ride betas I said nothing against beta in general I just I don't feel like I can actually make the bike last the way that I ride a motorcycle and the train here on the west coast I know I would struggle keeping a motorcycle together because I'm just hard on him and so he was like well what do you want to ride and I said Yamaha's so one thing led to another a few months go by and hadn't heard from him and then we started talking he's like well hey if I get Yamaha's will you be on board I said well yeah, so if we start talking, you know, some numbers and figuring out what's going on. Um, and next thing you know, it just, Destry got involved a little bit. And it was like one thing led to another. And it just kind of like formed up. And then he didn't get the Yamaha help, I think, that they were all hoping for. And so we ended, he ended up buying 20, yeah, I think it was 27 bikes from John Burr Cycles. In that's Fontana. crazy. That's a, that's a yeah. lot of motorcycles. Yeah, and then uh, so we have Destry Cooper, myself, Nick Burson, Axel Pearson, Damon Bush, and I think, and they had one other guy, but he he switched to a different team, I believe. But so the cool thing is, it's awesome to see about Ron is Ron's a very general, like generous guy, and he wants to see people do good, and he wants to give people opportunities. So. Um, you know, it's cool to see that he has that much love for the sport and he's spending his own money to do it. Right. No, you got that right. And it seems that we're starting to see, you know, a a few more guys come up and do that. You know, we see it in Supercross a lot with guys like Mike Genova and Bobby Hewitt and, uh, it was Chris, Chris Cross on for a while, but, um, I mean, it's awesome that these guys are successful businessmen and then want to be able to give back to the sport and help guys like yourself and others, you know, make a living at this stuff. Yeah, I mean, I've been, I've personally been lucky. I've had a lot of people in my corner between, you know, Wes at NTS over the years, Dean from Bonanza Plumbing. I mean, because I was always that guy, like, eh, just, eh, you know, Gary's right underneath the factory guys. So it was like, even though if I beat him or not, I'm like, eh, Gary's just right here. And I don't know if that's just from, you know, the way I came up through. And, but it was always like, and I, like, I was lucky enough to find these guys that were enthusiasts that, you know, saw my hard work and passion and believed in me. And, wanted more you know yeah um so uh which championship do you feel like was harder (sighs) man i i think they all honestly i think they're all about the same heron hound makes me more nervous because there's so many different variables like because works i can see the course i know my lines it all comes down to my fitness my speed whereas heron hound most of it relies on your start. Like you got to get a good start there and to win, you have to have a good start. And there's so many things at Heron Hounds that can, 
you know, so many little things that can just bite you that you don't even see. You know, you catch right. a rock. I mean, look at Taylor's wreck when he was at King of Moto, same oh, style. Gosh, you know, yeah. like, you, you, he never saw the rock. And it's like nothing he did wrong. You just visually could not see the rock underneath the sand. So that's the thing is there's just so many little scary things at Heron Hounds that can bite you so quick. So to be able and, – and I'd I'd really wanted to win a Heron Hound title just because I wasn't a full off-road guy. And I had success at it. And I won you know, three rounds in 15 and one round in 16. And it was one of those titles that I always – I just wanted to put – you know, Destry won five of them. So it's kind of like – and I always looked up to Destry, so to put my name in the record books next to him too, even though it's just one, was uh, you know that was the most rewarding one I think at this moment. Um, but they're all hard. I, I think <laughs> it doesn't. I mean, I don't think you could talk to anybody that's oh one's easier than the other because it's all at the end of the day it all comes down to just you and your mind and being prepared. Yeah, um, a little bit on nutrition. How do you deal with that? Um, well, that's, (laughs) I'm up and down. Honestly, like I eat very, like I eat pretty good. Like I actually eat very well and I'm very cautious about what I eat and all that stuff. But, um, I actually tried, I mean, I don't care if anybody knows, I tried ketosis for a little bit. Um, tried just, you know, different styles. Like I try to keep up on that and it's, it's tough. I don't, I, I don't know one thing that works or not. I think at the end of the day, hard work is what what keeps you in shape, you know, as far as, you know, you can eat somewhat of junk and still be successful. I mean, I I don't know anybody in the off-road community that's super perfect. Taylor's really good on nutrition. Um, I know probably Caleb is, but I mean, it's kind of funny. I mean, look at Stu Baylor, man. The guy's drinking beers, you know, bigger dude winning national enduros, you know, like that gives you, I mean, not saying that's what you all got to go do or people got to go do, but, you know, he's having fun with it. And I think that has a lot to say. Like, that has a, like, he rides dirt bikes all the time. He's having fun riding his dirt bike. Yeah, he's having some beers. He's, but he's still out doing his work. He's still working out in the gym. He's still riding his butt off. And so, I mean, for me, my nutrition, I'm, I stay on a pretty good schedule, but, you know, I'm no, I'm, I'm no perfect person. I, I like to go have a beer with my girlfriend and have a couple beers with my buddy here and there. So, um, I think it's all just, being able to manage and in moderation, you know, you don't have to be like when I was on ketosis, it was so strict and I was so having to be perfect. It just wore me out mentally, you know? Yep. And I got, I get to a point where I'm like, Hey, I'm never going to be 165 pounds and be productive. So I had to get that out of my mind, you know, cause at the end of the day, I don't really care what other people think about how I look. It's about how I perform. Yeah. And I think that's what's, I don't know how the heck, doing the keto diet you you know because that's like a total lack of carbs you know what i mean like you're doing like yeah. 20 20 grams of carbs a day like obviously it depended yep. on your size and crap but it's like i mean carbs are you know you know one of our huge fuel sources when it comes to what we do we're you know, riding dirt bikes so it's like holy shit to think that you're in ketosis and yeah. when i did like that. i did that for a while and i still you know and i still use it in times when I want to cut and I, you know, but it's hard to keep, it's hard to get your body into ketosis and keep it in. So, like I said, that's where I struggled with that was without moderation. It's just, it was so strict. And for me, it was tough. And I know there's a lot of long distance athletes that use it and cyclists and stuff, but, um, and I worked with, uh, a doc guy, a buddy of mine, he works with Zach Osborne too. And, uh, and we worked pretty hard on 
nutrition and diet this year and and it, but it's always that's always something you can always do better at i think i don't care who you are we all have our you know everybody loves a little ice cream here and there everybody loves a candy bar <laughs> our vices here, you know <laughs> so yeah it's, uh, it, it's all good having fun living life it's interesting yeah if uh, if anybody wants some of the nutrition stuff that we've talked about we just did uh, an enduro nutrition podcast with uh, Jeffrey Fryer from Fryer Performance which was really interesting and it's uh, it's just it's to your point like there's so many different ways and so many different trains of thoughts out there it's great to make sure that you really don't try to just stick to one thing and go this is what's going to work for me you really do need to try a lot of different things and see what's going to work for you because we all are so different. Mm. Totally. It's one of those things that Sue is like, and key, like, I have a lot, all my buddies know I'm an impulse guy. I like to, like, even though I won two championships, I want to change my entire program up for next year. I want to try something new. What I think in my mind is better. I'm not going to tell you that whole plan because, of course, I can't let my competition know that. But I hear that. Yeah. <laughs> uh, you know, it's one of those things. And like, Kiefer gets so pissed. He's like, dude, what are you doing, man? You just want to. Why would you change? It's because. I can still see an untapped potential in myself right. that I haven't done. And it, it all comes, it boils down to me and my structure. So it's like, so I want to push myself to even the next level because I know there's 10 guys behind me aiming for me and pushing to be me and try and get that number one off my back. So if I don't try and change and excel, I'm just going to be plateau. And hey, by the end, of, I'm not getting any younger, man. Right. I mean, you look great, but you know it could, it could that 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 face could stop working for you at any point in time now. What's that? <laughs> I said you look great, but that face may not work for you for all the time. No, I mean I'm no Brad Pitt here, uh, but I do what I can. Like it's funny, my my good looks have only gotten me this far. I don't know how much further they're going to take me, but the sky's that's, the limit. That's what I'm saying. That is what I'm saying. Yep. You're living you're living my life now, bro. You're like, I'm here now because sure. of this face. After that, I don't know where I'm headed. Sure. I just don't know what's up. I All right. I, Before I, we wrap this thing up, anything else? What did I not ask you that you're just like, you know people want to know? <sighs> Man, I don't even know. You've had, you've done a good job. I mean, this is this is what you're good at what you you're good at what you do, I'm good at what I do. I like it. Well, thanks, buddy. You're only the second person that's ever told me that. I'll take it. (laughs) (laughs) All right. No, well, dude. So obviously, we're going to go into 2018. Besides, are you you're gonna does it be are you gonna be with Purvines? Is it probably going to be Yamahas? Besides some of that kind of stuff, like I mean, are you going to add anything to the schedule? Is it still going to be works and hair and hound? Like any of that kind of trajectory? You know. uh, I signed a three-year deal with Pervines, which is huge for me and, you know, consistency with me and my daughter. And um, right now, uh, there's a possibility of me maybe throwing in big six. We'll see. That's three series in a year is quite a bit. But, uh, of course, I'm up for the challenge, and I would love to, you know, try and add a different title to uh, my resume. But, uh, yeah, I, as far as Yamaha goes, we I know they're in talks with Yamaha, Destry, Ron. Everybody's in talks with Yamaha. I mean, I don't know how they couldn't be happy with what we were, you know, as a team were able to accomplish this year. So, um, yeah, as far as I know, I'm going to be on Yamaha's and just racing what I can. 
bitching, dude. Well, yeah, man. Well, keep us in the loop, right? Keep having fun on your dirt bike. Enjoy the little bit of time you've got coming up. You've got another Heron Hound, you said, then you've talked yourself into another race, but you've got Thanksgiving, luckily, to, to go eat a little bit and goof off and, and yep, uh, get be, fat. The, be the Gary Sutherland we know and love, our, our big Husky Montana right. boy. Uh, dude, yeah, that's right. Husky. Husky for life. <laughs> What's, what's funny is, is like I, I've got wait I got to make a post of my feet. You guys will laugh. That's probably the one thing nobody knows. I've really jacked up feet. Jacked up feet. They're like they're literally they're like big I old wear, hobbit feet. I wear, I wear a nine. I yes, I wear a nine and a half. But they are literally a CD actually just came up and measured like drew out my feet because I'm having problems with boots and I always have my my foot is like a size and a half wider than any boot they make <laughs> whoa so, so you have like uber wide. wide feet like i have duck fins for feet <laughs> like they look and i have these little tiny toes and it, even though you're laughing at me i'm just going to tell you i won't be bashful here my daughter for the first time in 6 years painted my my toenails this week nice fantastic i've been there don't yeah. worry bro i got two daughters yeah it's cool. I'm totally okay with my sexuality, and it's all good. It happens. My my uh the the youngest is three and a half, and her sister, her, and then the eleven year old is now doing makeup and all this stuff. So of course, the three year old is now walking around with everything done up as well because the eleven year old wants to practice. And so every now and then I get pulled into the two. So whatever, it happens. It's part of life. Yeah, you gotta you gotta make your kids happy. She's she's been wanting to do it for a while, and now I feel you know. I actually feel like she is, you know, good enough to do a good job. Because I mean, if you're gonna paint my nails, you got to do a good job. It's so, gotta look good, bro. And she, and she killed it. So fantastic. What 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 color works best for you? Uh, she actually, well, Christy just had these colors at her house. It's uh, yellow and purple, so Vikings colors. Which I'm not a Vikings fan, but it was what it was. You'll take <laughs> that it. Was what, those were the colors that she had, and I said, "Go ahead." I like it. I, blue. I feel works really well for me. So just take yeah. that for what it's worth. Okay. All right. Well, next I'll bring. I'll send you uh, some blue uh, nail polish. <laughs> That'd be my Christmas, my stocking stuffer. Yeah, that and uh, <laughs> a nice cold beer. Ooh, that's what I'm talking about. And by the way, yes, I do. I have had one this entire time because that's what we do here at Sea Time. That's right. Well, I, I won't lie to you and say that I didn't. Uh, I might. I might have to crack one. Because you had one. Just saying. I wouldn't want you to drink alone. Nope. Please don't let me do that. Because I will continue <laughs> to drink it as I edit this and put everything together for everybody to enjoy. I like it. I like awesome. It. Well, thank you very much, Mr. Gary Sutherland, for your time. Congrats on how things have, have really turned around for you. Um, and some of the bad luck from all those mirrors that you broke have kind of kind of yep. dissipated. Uh, I guess just keep doing what you're doing. Keep having fun. And just keep us all in the loop, right? Awesome, man. Well, I appreciate you having me on as always. And, man. Look forward to, uh, you know, bullshit. And some more soon. All right, man. Have a great night, and we'll chat soon. All right, buddy. Bye. Man, oh, man. I hope you guys enjoyed that conversation with Mr. Gary Sutherland. That dude is so down to earth and just such a happy-go-lucky guy to chat with. And obviously, he's very husky. I had no idea he was from Montana, which is interesting. I know that I've talked with uh, our good friend Brian quite a few times about him, and I'm surprised that I did not remember that he is from Montana. But goes to show what my brain has to uh, put up with with all the brain cells I kill with as much beer as I try to consume. So I hope you guys enjoyed this episode of Seat Time. I just say thanks for tuning in. 
Just remember, if you're looking for more seat time content, please head to our YouTube channel. We've got tons of reviews. We've got Riding with Voody videos, five years of our off-road web show, and obviously random shenanigans. Remember, please head to Patreon, which is patreon.com slash seat time, and consider becoming a patron. You can definitely think about buying one of our t-shirts at fpmg.threadless.com or use the Amazon affiliate link on seattime.co slash support. Remember, always enjoy a pint full of awesome, and we'll see you on the internet.